You're listening to the Nicene Creed, a Lenten podcast series from Covenant Shreveport, a church on a mission to declare and demonstrate the gospel in all of life. Learn more about us at covenantshreveport.org. Hey friends, welcome to the Nicene Creed. My name is Weston Brown. This is a special podcast for the season of Lent, where we are diving into the history and the content of an ancient Christian faith statement known as the Nicene Creed. And I've talked to so many of you over the last couple of weeks who've been listening to this and following along. Thank you so much for taking time each week to explore Christian history and church doctrine with us. We really hope that you find this to be helpful. Today we're going to take a look at an ancient church leader named Arius, who, as we've learned in recent episodes, sparked a good bit of contention within the church at large when he began teaching that Jesus was not God, but rather that God had created Jesus. And as we will see, the problem wasn't simply that Arius was teaching something heretical or untrue about God, but also the fact that it really caught on and started spreading, especially throughout the church in the eastern part of the Roman Empire. Arianism, as it came to be called, was ultimately repudiated by the Council of Nicaea, and the Nicene Creed was created in part as a statement against Arianism, But it didn't completely kill these beliefs. In fact, there are prominent pseudo-Christian groups here in America, even today, who are essentially Aryan in their Christology, which is a fancy word for what they believe about Jesus. So who was this man, Arius? Where did he come from? And what exactly did he do? Before we talk about that, though, each episode we read the full Nicene Creed, And we hope that you will not only read along with us, but that you will also take time to memorize these words. You can find them at the link in our show notes. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is, seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him, all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, catholic, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Well, to be honest, we don't know a great deal about Arius. 
In general, we know that he was born in the 250s AD and that he was from northern Africa. Most historical data refers to him as a presbyter in the church in Alexandria, Egypt. That word presbyter comes from the Greek word presbuteros, which is a word we find in the New Testament that is often translated as the word elder. It's where we get the word Presbyterian in today's world. This probably means that he occupied a role as a priest or as a teacher within the church. We also know that Arius did a good bit of writing, that he wrote a popular work called the Thalia, or The Banquet, but none of his written work really exists to this day, at least in full. And that's probably because Arius was ultimately labeled as a heretic by the church, and his work was mostly destroyed. For this reason, it can be difficult to piece together exactly what Arius taught. We have fragments of his writing that are quoted in works by his opponents, such as Athanasius of Alexandria, who was perhaps the most outspoken church leader regarding Arius. But it can be difficult to gain a full picture. So, in summation, a lot of what we know about Arius' teaching, we know through the writings of others. So, essentially, Arius' Christology, or his view of Christ, was that Jesus Christ was different from God the Father, that they were not of the same substance. If Arius was anything, he was monotheistic. He believed in one God. So he taught that Jesus must have been created at some point in time by the one God, that God created for himself a son. Arius thought that this point in time may have been before the universe was created, but ultimately Jesus was subordinate to the Father in his view. So his particular line of thinking is thus known as subordinationism. Arius was probably not the first person to make this kind of claim about Jesus, that Jesus was not of the same being as the Father, or that Jesus was, in a sense, a rung down the ladder from the Father. But he was the one who popularized it. But he also wasn't alone in this either. Another significant figure who was a close confidant of Arius was another church leader named Eusebius of Nicomedia. Eusebius was a man of significant influence and a good friend of Arius who eventually became the bishop of Constantinople and was also the one who later baptized Roman Emperor Constantine. All of this started in the church in Alexandria, Egypt, where both Arius and Athanasius were leaders. Arius had boldly responded in writing to a teaching from the then bishop of Alexandria and had accused him of another form of theological unorthodoxy called modalism. Now, to be clear, the orthodox, meaning normal or regular, the orthodox Trinitarian Christian view is that there are three persons eternally existing in one God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Not three separate beings, but three persons who together make up one being, the Godhead. The famous Greek word that gets employed by the Council of Nicaea and is used in the Nicene Creed is the word homoousios. It means 
of the same being. Modalism, which Arius had accused the Bishop of Alexandria of teaching, says that there is one God, but that there aren't three persons eternally coexisting in that one God. Instead, there are just different modes or aspects or faces of God. Whether or not this was actually what was being taught by the Bishop of Alexandria is unclear, but Arius's response was that because the scriptures say that Jesus was begotten by God, that that must mean that the Father had created him, which is quite an assumption. So, this is opposed to Orthodox Trinitarianism in that it claims that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are not one being and are not eternally coexisting. Now, that may seem super confusing, may make your head spin a bit, or it may seem like pointless theological drivel that only intellectual sorts care about. It might also just seem like semantics to you, as if we're just kind of talking about the same thing in different ways. But recognize we're talking about the creator of the universe and who he is and what he has done for us through Christ. So, while in a finite human sense, we may not be capable of fully comprehending or understanding God and his nature or state of being, it is critical that we lean into the scriptures so that we can talk about him as rightly as possible. And that's a big part of what we believe about the Bible, that this is God's revelation of himself to us, that he is a God who knows us and desires to be known by us. So if we're talking about God in a way that is not affirmed by the scriptures, then we're talking ultimately about something different, about a different God that doesn't actually exist. And that's why Arius' teaching was so problematic. He was talking about Jesus in a way that was counter to the way that Jesus actually talked about himself. As we already know, this false teaching led to the Council of Nicaea, and the result was that Arius and his theology were condemned. But what exactly happened to Arius? Well, he was exiled by Constantine and went to live in Palestine. And many of his followers were also exiled, including Eusebius, who was his primary defender at Nicaea. However, this doesn't last very long. Within a pretty short span of time, Eusebius seemingly recants his Arian position. And as we mentioned earlier, He's not only reinstated, but eventually becomes bishop of the very powerful city of Constantinople. Arius is also ultimately allowed to return, and Arianism continues to spread and eventually finds a sympathetic ear with Constantius, the son of Emperor Constantine. More on that in a future episode. Join us next time as we explore the middle section of the Creed, pertaining to Jesus Christ and this homoousian concept that he is of one being with the Father.